0: Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, please do share your favorite episodes with friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. We also appreciate your positive reviews at the iTunes Store. Thank you. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Youth and Opportunity by Thomas Tapper, published in 1912. When Alexander Pope wrote the line, Hope springs eternal in the human breast. He expressed a truth that, Considered in the fullness of its suggestion, Is electrifying. With the coming of the inspiring impulse of hope, We find again open to us the doors that have shut us in. We look out over a vast field of possibility, Once more we are in the presence of our rightful heritage. It lies, bright and enticing, before us. It beckons us to come. It speaks to us plainly. It promises much if we will only go forth and dwell as a worker in the fair field of its golden opportunities. We feel no doubts arise within us about the reality of eternal hope. We are convinced that we may possess the best things of life to whatever extent we desire. We realize that we have only to be brave and pay the price, and the price is work. Shall we then with courage, and courage is rightly a quality of the heart, begin to labor for the rewards and blessings of hope Or shall we permit the light to fade from our sight and enter again upon the way of darkness, grope in a poverty of opportunity? Our decision in this matter conditions all the success that may be our portion. For curiously, this word success has a simple basic meaning, to go along. It implies motion toward the thing desired. All students of biography and all observers of successful people in the world today know that motion toward the thing desired must have its beginning somewhere. You must have a starting point before you can fix the direction of your going. Every person of whatever talent, opportunity, Industry or intention starts from the same place. And that place is where you find yourself when hope inspires you anew. When it compels you to work instead of resting in idleness. To move in the light instead of sitting still in the darkness. All the factors of success then swing in stately orbits about work as satellites circle the planet to which they belong. The moment when motion, which is but another word for progress, ceases, there is a catastrophe. The young man or woman intent on succeeding in life must entertain no delusions in regard to this law of constant activity. When the determination to succeed in life is once made, Work becomes not only the order of the day, but the joy of it. Work itself must be inspired by judgment, and judgment in turn must be formed and perfected by two simple processes. One, that of doing all work well, and two, that of discerning daily, more and more clearly, the particular phase of success you should endeavor to attain. It has been said repeatedly that, with strict attention to our tasks, any person can win success that is more than equivalent to our apparent genius and industry, for the very act of industry reveals more and more genius in us. Our resources are indeed like those of an opulent mind, the riches of which are not realized, until we have made our way into it with the pick-and-shovel of persistent labor. The individual who has become free to work through their ability without loss of energy has a further duty laid upon them. They must work persistently. They must persevere. The meaning of which is to go forward through severity now, a person who is willing to work by imposing severe conditions upon themselves is a rare individual, but the freedom they enjoy to direct severity upon themselves is unlimited. The French naturalist Buffon, who worked incessantly, used to say that genius without order worked with only a fourth of its power. Sir Isaac Newton wrote his chronology fifteen times before he felt that it expressed his thought exactly. The degree to which Benjamin Franklin took himself in hand and persevered in the effort to build his character as he had idealized it is shown in his autobiography, after he had made a list of the virtues he proposed to acquire. He actually began to practice them. He followed a plan that he checked up daily in a book devoted to the purpose. The aim of his perseverance was the firm establishment of desirable habits, for these underlie all activity, and permit us to conduct ourselves in the frictionless manner of a well-organized business enterprise. In conjunction with practicing these virtues and recording his progress with them, Franklin formulated a daily schedule. His plan may have no value to any other person in the world, but it is interesting in showing that a man such as Franklin thought it necessary to take himself rigorously in hand. Like Matthew Arnold's plan for reading 100 books per year, This plan of Franklin's is not for imitation, but for suggestion. Is it a reasonable thing to do? Can I make a similar plan that will set my activity in a more direct line? These are the questions it should suggest to us. And these are the questions we should not be afraid to answer. Let us not be discouraged by the fact that Franklin arose at 5 a.m., We are at perfect liberty to arrange our hours as best suit us. But let us not fail to ask, is it not wise to arrange the hours? Here is Franklin's plan for employing the 24 hours of the day. The application of this plan to the virtue of perseverance lies in following its dictation day after day, that is to say, with severity. Franklin would start by waking up at 5 a.m. and ask himself the question, What good shall I do this day? This was then followed by a bath, breakfast, and a planning for the work ahead. From 8 to 12 he would then work. From 12 to 2 he would read and eat lunch. From 2 to 6 he would work again. From 6 to 10 he would have dinner, entertainment, and other diversions, finishing up the day by asking himself the question, What good have I done today? Then he would sleep from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Now, does this plan mean anything to us, or is it merely an odd idea of an old-fashioned man? Before we reply, let us recall a few facts in the case for they will assist us to put this single fact in true relation. Benjamin Franklin was born poor. His origin was humble and obscure. He left home early in life. Did his journeyman labor with one printer and another in America and in England. Being poor, he had to be frugal. Being ambitious, he continued to be observant, inquiring, and industrious. This poor boy, who landed in Philadelphia with nothing but a Dutch dollar in his pocket, made one plan after another, until he stood before kings. But that was only one of the many rewards Franklin won through perseverance and opportunity. He was the first American man of letters, Though once he walked the streets of Philadelphia with a loaf of bread under each arm, he became a philosopher and a philanthropist. He was the first American scientist. He became a great statesman, who had the honor to sign the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. Now this man had no school education, His perseverance, however, in mastering books is familiar to all. His perseverance in mastering the questions that arose before him in his country produced scholarship that was recognized in high places. Two universities in Europe, Oxford and St. Andrews, conferred on him the title of Doctor of Laws, and three universities in America. Harvard, Yale, and William & Mary conferred on him the degree of Master of Arts. Immanuel Kant, the distinguished German philosopher, called him the Prometheus of modern times. When the announcement of his death reached Paris, Mirabeau declared before the National Assembly that Franklin possessed the genius that freed America and poured a flood of light over Europe. Franklin never could have foreseen these future accomplishments when he began to develop himself, quote, with severity. And neither can we see what successes lie ahead for us, if we but begin to plan our days for maximum benefit and persevere.